Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.33 in Edmonton. It's Brendan Escott in on this Friday. Bob Stoffer with the team in Vegas. Some guests of the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Always a pleasure when we uh, get to link up with one of NHL's uh, most trusted insider series brought to each Friday by Mid-City Construction, thanking everybody on the roads this year for their patience, making it another safe and successful construction season. Mid-City Construction celebrating 40-plus years. He is Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Elliot, how's it going today? Not bad, not bad at all. Bob in Vegas? Yeah, uh, can't confirm his exact location, but I know he is in Sin City. Absolutely. You know, I, I got to tell you, like, uh, Brandon, we both know that Bob's one of those guys. He's at the blackjack table. Mm-hmm. He's got 17. The dealer's got five, and he's taking a card. We know he's one of those. Oh, guys. yeah, he's tapped the table twice. Absolutely, he has. <laughs> I love it. Uh, hey, so uh, matinee hockey He thinks hockey he's going to get that four. He thinks he's going to get that four. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Got a bet on it. Matinee hockey today, Elliot. Uh, yes. 2-2. I'm looking at the score right now. Uh, probably a tough day for an NHL insider when there's absolutely nothing going on on the NHL's dance card. Or is it? What did yesterday look like for you? Just out of curiosity. Oh, well, I still, you know, the I was still working on my the blog. I did the 32 Thoughts blog. Uh, during the finish during the day and um, Jeff and I taped a podcast at night which is out now and um, but I did watch a lot of football I'm a, I'm a big fantasy football guy and my team's pretty good this year so I'm I'm watching it uh, pretty tightly and um, and you know otherwise you know my family likes it when I ignore them so I find ways to do it <laughs> I got you. I got the fantasy for uh, fantasy sports on lock here as well. And so yesterday was it was a treat to have you know a couple of games yep. on the uh, the second desktop screen. But can't do that when you're in the host chair. I was prepping for you instead, and I did read 32 thoughts. And the first of 32, of course, is what's going on in Vancouver and continues going on in Vancouver. Elliot, does there, you know, for I I just didn't expect that it would be dragging on this long and it didn't really get any better against Pittsburgh earlier this week and the Mm -hmm. visible frustration of the players has to be concerning. I I just wonder at this point, like I I have such a hard time believing that Travis Green is the genuine root of this problem and yet he seems to be the most obvious scapegoat, right? Well, I just think what happens, Brad, is that, um, and and, you know, I think your, your, your whole point there I think is very good. And... I think one of the things I know in Vancouver, they want this to be over with. They want, they want blood and they want it now. And I think what ownership has done there is said, if, if we're going to make changes, we have to do this right. And as a result, it's taken a bit longer than I think some people expected. 
And I, I'll be honest, you know, I, I said this and I wrote this. I thought there was a chance there was going to be something yesterday. And there wasn't. And we'll see what we'll see what the next few days bring. I think there's going to be changes. I do. I just think they want to do it properly. And, you know, the one reason I thought there might be some yesterday, I was, I was talking about this with our GM yesterday, and they said after a game like that in Pittsburgh, they lost 4-1 on Wednesday, and then you mentioned the post-game reactions, it's almost like you, you feel you have, you have to do something just to do it. And, you know, the, the guy also called it a, uh, like a mercy killing. Like at some point are you just putting somebody out of their misery. And I think Vancouver considered that yesterday, but it obviously didn't happen. And, um, you know, I, I think that, but I think they're considering what they're going to do. And I don't think that's wrong. I mean, there's a lot going on right now, Brandon. And one of the things is, you know, you, if you do a hire, you have to make sure you don't make a mistake. Like, our, you know, right now we're going through a whole thing in the sport where, You've got to make sure that if you bring someone in, even if you know them, you've just got to make sure that there's nothing there that you don't know about. And I think that's part of the process right now. You can't rush yourself into something that turns out to be the wrong decision for your organization or the wrong decision because you didn't do your homework. And, you know, I I just think that's the reality of the situation. I think that's the way Vancouver looks at it. Now, this to me, in terms of their slow approach to making a big move, is nothing new. And I think back to 2014 when Ryan Kessler wanted out uh, before they ended up making the the change to Jim Benning as, as general manager, you know. And ultimately, circumstances, I guess, led to uh, the trade value sort of being diminished a lot, in my opinion, for what they got back for Ryan Kessler. But I, mm-hmm. I wonder if this is where they draw the ire of the fan base is because it doesn't ever seem like a full committal to anything that might cost them in the short term in terms of that long-term gain to really right the ship. Am I on to something there? Well, I think, I think that that's true. Like, you know, they didn't want to do, you know, a couple of years ago, Trevor Linden um, and Jim Benning, there was a split. And, you know, Linden talked about a deeper rebuild and Benning talked about, something that wasn't quite like that, a bit of a shorter turnaround, I guess. And, you know, Linden lost that argument and he was out. And there's no question that they thought they could turn this around quicker and they haven't. Now they have good pieces. They have good players, but they're, you know, right now they're just, they're not good enough. And, you know, I, I think that the GM has been there eight years, you know, the fan base feels that's been enough for them and you and you know ultimately they'll vote with their wallets but look i think at the end of the day i believe the organization thought they'd at least contend for the pacific division this year that that is it's going to take a miracle to get there now and when you have those kinds of expectations brennan and this is where you are there's consequences and that's just the way it is in life and you often talk as we chat with our uh, Elliot Friedman here from NHL Hockey on Rogers. You often talk about the best coaches being able to get the best out of their players. And right now, the players—I don't know if it's a frustration with one another or frustration with the system—but the stuff that keeps leaking out of the Canucks camp leads me to believe that these players aren't getting up to play for Travis Green right now. And as much as you want to like Travis Green or believe that you know he isn't the problem there, evidently at the quarter 
market this season, Elliot, he's not the solution either. Well, I think he's a good coach, and I think if he is to get fired, Brennan, he'd get another job. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think he would be out of NHL employment forever. I do think there would be other opportunities there. Um, look, I think we, we know uh, that when you have to make changes, sometimes that's the easiest one, the simplest one. Just give another voice. And, you know, they, they extended him for two years at about $2.8 million per last, uh, last offseason because they thought he was the right guy. And, like, I don't think this is – I think it's too simplistic to say that this is just the coach's fault. You know, Pedersen, who I think is a great player, you know, he, he's been – he's had an awful year. And, you know, I never think it's about one guy in the NHL. Although McDavid and Dreisaitl makes it pretty much about two guys. <laughs> uh, I, I rarely think it's about one guy in the NHL. But when Pedersen's not going, it's so much harder for Vancouver to score. And, you know, like I, like I just think that they've got so many issues. They're, they're not as good as they hoped. They're not playing as well as they hoped. And you, you would think that at some point in time they could have started to at least turn their way out of this, and they haven't. So that's kind of where you are now is there's going to be changes and it's not just going to be one person. Like it's not just going to be for argument's sake, Travis green. It's, it's going to be potentially the GM. It's going to be potentially some players. Like what this has shown is the direction they were building to. It didn't work. And now I think they're just trying to figure out the consequences. Lots going on in the hockey world internationally too as we chat with Elliot Friedman. Let's let's just do a temperature check on the Olympic situation right now, Elliot, because I'm having a, a really hard time deciding whether I should be decided or whether each day that goes by there's a reason for me to be less optimistic about this actually coming to fruition. I, I might be in the minority. I, I like the jerseys. I don't necessarily love the black maple leaf, but the jerseys will, will mm-hmm. continue growing on me. I don't mind the jerseys. And, and, and hey, it's, it's fun to talk about roster projections and all that stuff as well, but, you know, there's a lot in the periphery that's starting to develop into a black cloud over this situation, at least as it seems. I think the biggest thing that's changed, honestly, uh, is the teams. You know, last summer when this was discussed uh, at the Commissioner's Media Conference before Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final, Brandon, uh it was pretty clear that the league wasn't thrilled about going, but as they said, they made a promise to the players and they would live up to the promise if they could. And, you know, the teams were kind of out of it. They weren't really paying a lot of attention. It wasn't really on their radar. What I think has happened now is that it is on the team's radars. And we're seeing some outbreaks and Ottawa's had games canceled and the Islanders have been really affected and San Jose has been really affected and the teams don't like this. And I think the other thing right now, and, you know, we still have, I think, 45 days until they have to decide, but there's not a clear picture yet of what happens if you test positive while you're in China. And, you know, I I had heard rumors of three-week quarantine. And there are teams who've told me and people, officials have told me that they've heard that's a possibility. Now, I mentioned that on 32 Thoughts on the uh, show last week on Hockey Night, and someone called me and said, we don't actually know yet. Now, it's not to say that couldn't be wrong. That's necessarily wrong, but we don't know that it's right. Right now, the handbook says 
basically something like uh, two neg- if you if you test positive and you're symptomatic, two negative tests in 24 hours apart. And you know, but if someone said to me, who knows how long that could be? Whatever the case is, the teams are looking at this and they're saying, what really? Like, okay, what's going to happen to our player over there? And how long are they going to be out? And I think the teams, because once we once we get to February and the end of the Olympics, it's a 10-week sprint to the playoffs. And I think these teams are looking at this and they're going, we don't like this. And I think that's one of the things that's really become a bigger issue is the teams are starting to register their disappointment and dislike for it. Although the players, they still want to go. They make it very clear that they want to go. So I'm interpreting this as because it is the Chinese health authorities determining the length and location and such of the isolation. Like if you get, say you need a three-week isolation and there's only a week left in the competition, are you then alienated in Asia for two weeks while your entire Team Canada has gone back to to North America to contest their thing? Or would it be a situation? No, that's, that's a, I have asked that question, right? Brandon. And at this point in time, there is no clear answer, which is not good. Like, if you're a team, you don't want to hear that there's no clear answer. Absolutely. It's... And, you know, I, I get the, the sense of asset management from the team's perspective. And I just I wonder at what point that becomes the ultimate say so versus what the players want to do. And I don't know that this would be the case if it was in a different country at this point. If it was in Luxembourg, Elliot, I don't know that we're well, having the these same is, issues. Brandon, like it's, it's not like you can hop on a flight to go to the Olympics right now, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly right. So if you test positive there, it's not like you can say just like there was a case. Actually, someone sent it to me the other day. There was an athlete. I think the athlete was from Poland. And I want to say it was a a luge athlete, but I I don't remember, who flew out like on a cargo plane (laughs) because they didn't want to be quarantined there. Like, I, I like... I read that story. I was like, wow, this is like 007. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, to me, that's not going to be there's worth a it lot to of the un, There's a lot of unanswered questions here that people are kind of wondering what the answers are going to be. And you know what? The players are like, hey, we want to go. January so it's 10th. A, it's a challenge. Yeah. That's the drop dead day, right? So it's, it's creeping Without up close. Without financial penalty. They can go later, but I think there is a financial penalty. They could always change their minds later, but I believe there's a financial penalty to that. Gotcha. Elliot Friedman brought to you by Mid-City Construction each Friday on Oilers Now. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer. The Oilers getting set to take on the Golden Knights in Vegas. Elliot 14-5-0 and through the first 19 games sitting just out of the Pacific Division lead. I would imagine that this is, you know, probably where expectations were for this team. I don't think that anybody could project the kinds of, like, what does the next level for Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl look like from year to year? Well, it's a pleasure getting surprised year to year with their improvement because it's, you know, it's silly. And I don't get the point of reference of having the 80s Oilers. I wasn't alive at that point. But to watch them doing it in the modern NHL where everybody's a a half-deep, Decent skater, you know, it's I, I, it leaves me at a loss of words a lot of the time. Well, I mean, you, you guys have a gift, and that is, is the gift to watch those two guys. And, 
you know, I, I think the thing that it makes them great is, first of all, they're determined to get better every year. They're not satisfied with anything. And I think the fact that the Oilers as a team have not had success while the two of them have had great individual success motivates them. And, you know, the, like those guys, you can tell those guys think that the Oilers have a chance to do something nice this year. Like they, they really believe and it's only driven them to get better. Like, I hope the Oilers fans understand what they're watching here, not only because of how good they are, but how committed they are, too. Like, they see it as their responsibility to be even better because they think the team has a chance to be good. You know, as great as they are to watch, I I think the most interesting early season story on your team is probably Skinner. Like, I I do think that Ken Holland had it on his to-do list to get a goalie at some point this year pending Smith's health. Now, we know that Smith's health is a question mark, but I'm just curious to see where Skinner's going to go out of all this. Because, you know, I'm betting that you guys are going to look around. They're going to look for a left shot D, maybe a depth forward. But if, if, if he continues to go the way he's going, does it allow the organization to say, well, maybe we don't need to get the kind of goalie we thought we needed to get? I, I, to me, that's fascinating. And the best thing for a, a team to be good is that a problem that you may have, you can solve it from within. And what this kid has done is he's, get, is he's put it on the radar that maybe this problem gets solved for within. And that is a great thing for a team. That's been the case, it seems, for the last couple of years where if they're not ready to go, they're darn close coming out of this Bakersfield Condors program. I have the utmost respect for Jay Woodcroft and what he's done in that sense. Elliot, to me, it's it's temperament a lot of the time with goaltending, and Skinner is arguably the most laid back, and not in a, uh, an apathetic sense, but he is just so casual in the way that he uh, approaches you know, even talking to us in the media in that sense, that's where I, I obviously get my gauge on on sort of what he is to the team. And there's stuff that he has said that just reeks of Mike Smith. The difference is he's 17 years younger than Mike Smith in terms of the confidence that he should have right now. So I think that my, my thing for Oilers fans right now with Stuart Skinner is why not? Why not believe in this kid a little bit? He's a local kid, well, I, you know. I, I, I think there's, I, I think there's reason to believe in him, Brennan. The question is, do you, do you can you do it now? Like there, there's no doubt in my mind that the Oilers are looking at this kid and saying, "Here's our guy. Here's our guy." The question that you have to determine is, is he your guy now? Like we were talking about timelines with the Canucks. That's what the Oilers are weighing, the timeline. When is Skinner your guy? Is he your guy now? Much sense made there by Elliot Friedman. I, I don't want to disappoint the listenership. I just wanted to get a quick rip from you in the sense that, you know, like we talk so often on this show about officiating and the standard of it and that sort of thing. I played a clip from Kevin Weeks yesterday. Is it being hotly debated in other markets this year in the sense that, 
you know, I'm looking at a, at a game where there was Josh Morrissey and Max Domi both picked up $5,000 fines out of the same game for like chippy, uh, you know, weaselly little things that they're doing. Yep. And it's interesting. And I'm just wondering, you know, we talk so much about how McDavid and Dreisaitl are officiated here. Is the standard of NHL officiating also in the spotlight elsewhere? Well, I mean, you've heard me before talk about, I think there have to be more calls against him, um, McDavid. And I do think it's a big topic internally about, you know, where we're going here and what that's going to be. I have to tell you, I'm not, I, I wasn't as bothered about that Winnipeg, those two fines in Winnipeg, Columbus, in terms of the referees not calling them. Um, that was a wild, intense game. And sometimes games are going to be like that. Like, I have more problem with, um, you know, like, I didn't have a problem with that game because it just fit the way that game was played, if you understand. Like, I'll tell you, like, what, there's one thing I was actually talking about today with someone. The other night when uh, McDavid scored and Labushkin almost put him through the post, yeah. I would like to see – I've seen that happen a couple of times. I think all hockey fans have. I would like to see a situation where more often when that happens – you get the goal and you get a power play. Like that's like that's the kind of thing that um, it happened in a Vancouver game earlier this year against Colorado. Um, that's the kind of call. Like I do think, guys, that sometimes officials look at it and say we don't want to give Edmonton seven power plays because they're because the power play is too good. And I just think that I do think there are people in and around the league who are trying to say. We have to get out of that mindset. Elliot, always appreciate the time, man. Thank you so much for the insights. All right, Brennan. Once again, a week of much better questions. <laughs> I'll pass it along to the big guy. Make sure he knows. <laughs> All the best. All right. <laughs> Cheers. Have a great weekend, you man. too. Cheers, That's uh, Elliot Friedman for Mid-City Construction, thanking everybody on the roads this year for their patience and making it another safe and successful construction season. Mid-City Construction celebrating now 40-plus years. And if you're an Oilers fan and you're looking for a great road trip to join New West Travel on a four-night roadie to the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, well, listen up, because the Oilers are playing the and you can go check this out. The package includes exclusive non-stop flights with Flair Airlines, four nights in a deluxe hotel, great game ticket, and a welcome reception. You know Bob will be there. Special guests always making appearances as well. All of that for $1,750. Join the Nashville road trip. Call New West Travel, 780-432-7446, or go online to newwesttravel.com. Up against the break here on Oilers Now in a moment. Hi, this is Mike Smith from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. It is 12.58 in Edmonton. The Rangers and Bruins all knotted up at 2 in the second intermission. Winnipeg playing Minnesota at 1.30, Chad time. It is the day after U.S. Thanksgiving. We go to the Oilers now. Injury report brought to you by James H. Brown. Injury lawyers, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. List is lengthy for Edmonton. Duncan Keith remains day-to-day, at least until we hear otherwise. They'll skate right at the end of today's show at 2 o'clock. An update likely
likely coming afterwards. Darnell Nurse, Slater Cuckoo, they're out on the back end for another 10-plus days. Devin Shore and Mike Smith week-to-week with lower body ailments. Vegas, they finally got Max Pacioretty back from a broken foot in their last contest. Jonathan Marcheseau on the COVID list along with Michael Amadio, Alex Martinez and Nolan Patrick are both day-to-day with in uh, upper body injuries I believe there and uh, William Carlson week to week with a foot injury Jack Eichel of course expected out until after the Olympics on the other side of a global news weather traffic update update with Kevin Robertson we hear from Sportsnet's Mark Spector Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 630 Chad